Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is the HR Mentor. Today, I'm grateful to be speaking to you from the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumloops to Shequepan people within Shequepmikulu. I recognize my privilege in this place as an uninvited guest. On Monday, May 23rd, Tecumloops to Shequepan also hosted a memorial service in recognition of the one-year anniversary of the announcement that 215 graves of children who attended the former Kamloops Indian Residential School were located on the Tecumloops territory. This memorial is a sober reminder for all of us that there is much work to do to ensure truth and reconciliation in this country. And I challenge you to continue to seek knowledge and guidance on how you can contribute positively. If you haven't yet considered your role in truth and reconciliation, please check out my website. I have a page called In Solidarity, and you can find it at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash in dash solidarity. Here you will find lots of links to helpful resources, books and videos, as well as the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action. You may feel like there's nothing that you can do, but truly we all have a part to play. So inform yourself, educate yourself, and do what you can from where you are to make a positive difference. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about one of the least discussed stages of the selection process, and that's reference checks. You know, I love checking LinkedIn notifications this time of year. For me, it's often filled with updates from former students announcing that they've landed their first HR role or they're moving up in the organization. And it is so nice to see these bright new professionals kicking off their career and feeling really proud of what they've accomplished because it is a huge accomplishment. And as I've talked about many times before on this show, getting that first opportunity can be really challenging. You may not quite have enough experience that potential employers are looking for, and you may be lacking the confidence you need to put yourself out there and sell an organization on what you can offer. These are, of course, skills you can develop once you know how. And if boosting your confidence and honing your job search skills to land that first HR role would be helpful to you right now, I want you to make sure you listen to the very end of this podcast because I have a special opportunity or offer just for you. Now, one of the ways that some job seekers stumble in the selection process is when it comes to providing references. You may recall last year I interviewed my good friend and colleague Joel Peterson and we talked about the importance of reference checks for employers because I also think they undervalue them sometimes. Now you can listen to our conversation by checking out episode 39 of the HR Mentor. And while we did briefly cover how a candidate can select a reference, today I want to share some more specific advice on how to choose the best references for your next job competition and address some of the common missteps I see emerging professionals make with this critical process. Because honestly, why would you want to get all the way to the end of the selection process and then blow the opportunity because you weren't prepared? I know I wouldn't. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast. 
the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. I honestly believe that preparing references is the stage of the recruitment and selection process that candidates spend the least amount of time preparing for. I base this on nothing but my years of experience and observation, but I'm guessing if you think about it, you'll probably agree. Most job seekers spend a lot of time focused on their resume, interview preparation, and possibly even negotiating when they do get the job offer. The most savvy job candidates spend a lot of time identifying who they are, what they value, and how they best match with a potential employer. If you're not sure what I mean by all of that, check out episode 41, Prepare for Your HR Job Search. You can find the link in the notes for this show, as well as details on how to access the helpful worksheet. But very few candidates spend time in their preparation thinking about who to ask to speak on their behalf when the time comes. What this means is that they're often scrambling at the last minute to identify and ask someone to be a reference for them. Or worse, the candidate doesn't even ask and their reference isn't at all prepared for the conversation. This is a really bad scenario because the last thing you want your potential employer to hear when they call your reference is, who is this for? Meaning they don't even remember your name. Yikes. Now, to be fair, I also think references is the part of the recruitment and selection process that some employers put the least amount of effort into. So this lack of emphasis from candidates really comes as no big surprise. But as a job candidate, you don't know how much importance it will have in the process or to that employer. So you are better off being overprepared rather than underprepared. So what does this look like? Well, to begin with, you need to identify and ask the right references to speak on your behalf. We'll focus on this today because I think that's where most people stumble. But before we get to that, let's talk about a couple of other important aspects for preparing. Once you've identified the right people to be references, you need to prepare them This means at the very outset, you need to get their permission to be a reference in the first place. Yes, their permission. Please do not ever put someone's name and contact information down as a reference without getting their consent to do so in the first place. This will be incredibly embarrassing for you. And when the potential employer calls the person whose name you put down, they might just say no. And that's not going to put you in a very good position. If you want to get the best possible reference, you don't want this permission to be a one-and-done scenario either. Let's say you asked your former manager or supervisor to be a reference three months ago, and they said yes. And now you find yourself in the final stages of a job competition, and the potential employer is about to check references. They call your former manager, only to find out that they no longer work for the company you thought they worked at. People are moving around a lot these days. Maybe you gave a personal phone number or some information, hopefully, but maybe you didn't. So now the potential employer is calling their number and someone else is answering the phone. They are also well aware that you did not give this person a heads up that they might be getting a call for a reference. And that doesn't look good. 
especially if you're applying for an HR role, because they will think you should have known better. And again, you're making it inconvenient for them because they called and didn't get the person they were looking for. You see how this can play out? The simple antidote to this potentially awkward situation is to give your references a heads up. Call or email the referees that you're putting forward for this competition and let them know that you're in the final stage of the process and they might get a call. Call or email the referees you're putting forward for this competition and let them know that you're in the final stages of the process and they should expect a call. This will also ensure that they accept a phone call from someone they don't know or recognize a strange email coming through. Otherwise, they might ignore it for days and then get annoyed with the person attempting to collect the reference when they keep calling or emailing them. The last thing you want is an annoyed person speaking on your behalf. So just take a few moments before you submit their name, make sure they can still provide the reference, confirm where they're working, and make sure they're actually in the country and can take a call if they get one. People are going on vacation now and they might not be available, so it's best to prepare them in advance. Now, the other way to prepare your referees is to give them some information about the job you're applying for. This might be through a verbal conversation you have with them, or you could provide them with some information in an email. For me personally, I like an email that has your current resume as well as a copy of the job posting. Any single reference you provide might not know your whole work history or complete education and training background, and it may have been years since you worked together. They obviously can only speak to their time with you, but showing them your progressions and how you've worked to increase your skills and education can be really helpful. Looking at your resume might also help them remember specific things you did while you were working together. It's also a good idea if you can share which tasks, accomplishments, and activities you would most like them to speak to. For example, let's say you're applying for a position in a company where there would be some element of project management. And let's say when you worked with this particular referee, they asked you to take on a big project and you delivered it successfully. Remind your former employer about this project and let them know that it would be helpful to you if they could mention it or talk about your role in it. If you get a chance to have a conversation with them before, you may also explain how you talked about the project during the interview. Whatever you do, don't assume that they will remember all the wonderful things you accomplished and how that matches directly with this new potential role. A lot of people come and go in organizations, and it's not easy for managers to always remember every detail. But if you jog their memory, chances are they will. So I'm not suggesting you tell them what to say during the reference call, but if you give them some information about the current role you're applying for and how you feel your experience with them fits, that's actually going to help them. And whether they say it or not, you're never going to know, but at least you did your part to make it easier for them. So think about what you believe would give you the best opportunity if they spoke about it and help them prepare for that. Remember, it's not your former employer trying to get the job. And in most cases, they're extremely busy. And providing the reference is not 
directly helping them in their role. So make it as easy as possible for them to give you a good reference related to the role you're applying for. Although not related to preparation, another important part of working with your referees is to send them a thank you note after the process is over. Even if you didn't get the job, let them know the outcome and thank them for their time. I would actually say this is even more important if you didn't get the job because you may be asking them to speak on your behalf again pretty soon. Okay, let's park preparation and talk about how to pick the right reference. I want to begin this part of the discussion by saying that not all your references or referees will be right for all the jobs you apply for. And what I mean by that is that you may need different references for different jobs you apply for. In the same way that you tailor your resume and cover letter to a specific employer or role, at least I hope that's what you're doing, you need to tailor your references as well. So going back to my project scenario, this might not be part of your or every HR role you've ever had, but perhaps the organization you're applying to is planning on implementing some new software like an HRIS system or an ATS system. You will want to include the referee who can talk specifically to your project management experience. This might have been a consultant you worked closely with and who observed your project management skills. But in another scenario, you might not find this specific person completely helpful because they didn't supervise you directly. So I want you to consider what you want the person collecting the reference to learn about you or validate from what you've shared with them. And then identify who would be a great person to speak on your behalf for this particular job. So who might this be? Well, of course you're thinking, it's my former manager, Melanie. Who else could it be? And yes, someone who formerly supervised you or who is currently supervising you is an important reference. And employers will often say that they need to talk to someone who supervised you. As a recruiter, I would always insist on that. But they aren't the only person who can speak to your experience and competencies as an employee. Going back to my point about tailoring references, I would start this process by looking at the role you're applying for and what you've learned are the most important aspects in that role they're considering you for. So for example, is it communication and data management skills? Great, now think about who has been in the best position to observe your communication and data management skills. Could they be a reference? And don't worry about their title at that stage. Just brainstorm who might be in the best position to speak to the key competencies, knowledge, and skills that are required for the role you're applying for. Maybe you've demonstrated a lot of the required competencies through a volunteer role, not necessarily a work situation. Could someone at that volunteer organization be a reference for you? This is particularly relevant if it's an HR-related volunteer role. For example, this is someone who has observed your volunteer work at an HR professional association. Or maybe you were involved with an HR club at your university and you were supported by a professor or other more senior students. Perhaps even a volunteer board of directors or an advisory board you were part of could provide or somebody from that board could provide a reference for you. Now, of course, they can't speak to your specific work experience, 
But if you led meetings or helped organize a conference or engaged in public speaking, and these are all aspects of the new role, then they're perfectly suited to speak on your behalf. There might also be relevance to using a former university professor. I get asked quite frequently to be a reference for former students. And sometimes I do say yes, but there are times when I don't. If I've had an opportunity to get to know you, and we've had a personal conversation, and I've been able to observe some of your skills and competencies, then yes, I will do this. But in many cases, I have not. If you didn't work on a group project that your professor observed your interactions in, or you never met face-to-face, one of the downsides of online teaching through the pandemic, it's really hard for them to say more about you. This also applies if you never interacted with the professor in class. Did you ask questions, participate in discussions, or share your thoughts and ideas? If not, the professor can't really say too much about you that would be helpful. So yes, ask your former professor, but make sure they know who you are and that you had interactions that will allow them to speak to your competencies and skills. Otherwise, the only thing they can really say on your behalf is that you took your course, maybe they can say you passed, and that's about it. Now, if you worked in any roles where you had clients or worked with outside consultants, they may also be a possible referee. Again, they must have been in a position to observe you working and interacting, but depending on the nature of your previous work, they could be perfect for this. For example, if you worked as a recruiter and you had a client you conducted a number of recruitments for, they could potentially be a really good reference for a more senior role or a similar role in another organization. You really do have a lot of options here. But the most important point I want to make today is that they need to be relevant to the job you're applying for. Most employers will want to speak to people who directly supervised your work. And that's fine. That's what I teach employers. But recruiters also know that you may not have two or three people in this position because you have limited work experience. This is where those maybe less obvious people I described earlier can be helpful to you. That said, there is an important way to present references who did not directly supervise your work. And that is to give context. Explain to the person you are providing the references to why you're sharing these particular individuals or putting these particular individuals' names forward. Make it easy for them rather than just giving them names and contact information without the context. As a recruiter, I think it's really helpful if I know that this person knows you and how they know you and what they can and cannot speak to when I call them. Sometimes when I provide references for former students, I can hear the disappointment in the person's voice when I tell them that I'm a former professor and I've never actually worked with the person because they know I can't really tell them what they need to know. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Do the groundwork required to get this part of the selection process right. Look at the job and the organization and plan out who in your work and life circle might be best to speak to your experience and competencies related to that specific job. Then reach out and get their permission before sharing any information. Even if they've already agreed to give a reference for you, I want you to take this important step. 
After that, you should share some information about the job and your past experience, if they don't already know it intimately, to help your referee be prepared to speak on your behalf. And finally, give some context to the person conducting the reference check so they know why you gave them the names you did. Leave nothing to chance with this, and chances are you'll be a top contender for the job, if not the successful candidate. Look, recruiters and hiring managers are busy. My belief about the selection process is that if you make it easy for them to hire you, they probably will. If you leave them with a bunch of doubts about your level of professionalism or organization, they might decide you aren't worth the risk. And that would be a real shame, especially if you made it this far in the process. Remember, the majority of success in job seeking comes from your preparation. So don't talk yourself out of it, don't wing it, and I can't wait to see your update on LinkedIn announcing your new HR role. Now, as I promised at the beginning, if you're looking for your first HR role, I have a special deal for you. In early July, I will be launching my all-virtual guided HR Career Accelerator program. This program takes you from being a job seeker to a job holder. The program is self-paced, but it's designed to take approximately four weeks. There are recorded video lessons, exercises, and a private support group for you to get feedback and guidance. You also get access to a well-respected strengths assessment program to help you better tailor your job search and sell yourself in the selection process. If that sounds interesting, I want you to note this special discount code, HRMentorPod all one word, and then get signed up for my newsletter so you're the first to know when registration opens. Anyone who registers with that discount code will get a special rate for this program. You can sign up for the newsletter in the links wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you are a member of the HR Mentor Fan Club, you'll receive a further discount on your registration. If you're not already a member, sign up today. The HR Mentor Fan Club is a virtual space where you can get access to special bonus episodes of the podcast, resources, and free downloads, as well as a chance to access special discounts on future programs, just like the HR Career Accelerator. If you join today, you'll get instant access to my decision-making tool to help you say no to activities that aren't aligned with your values and goals, and a whole lot more. Early next month, my community manager, Michelle, and I will be releasing a special interview guide to help you with any upcoming HR interviews. And next week, I'll be releasing a bonus episode where I outline my courageous conversations model that helps you better communicate with anyone, especially when you have tough feedback to share. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode at www.thehrmentor.podbean.com as well as a link to related episodes and the sign-up page for the HR Mentor Fan Club membership site and my newsletter. You can also find more information on my website at www.unicorngroup.ca. Click the little drop-down arrow at the top, select HR Mentor Fan Club, and everything you need to know is right there. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, click the button wherever you're listening and send me some questions or your love with a message on LinkedIn or through a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I just might read it on a future episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Your time is greatly appreciated. Take care. Bye for now.